0: Thank you for listening to Bluebells Forever Podcast. I'm your host, Sherry Lewis. I wanted to tell you about Patreon and how you can support the work of Bluebells Forever Podcast and receive two bonus episodes each month. This month we have Pete Manafi and Athena Pataxel. Last month we had Liz Elliott and Hilary Sukanos. These are from our circle back series where I go back and do a part two with guests that I've had on the previous year. We've changed the tier so that I could offer this to more people because these interviews are so good, I want to share them with more people. So for only $10 a month, you will get these two free bonus episodes that no one else hears except for the patrons, plus all the episodes that are on from previous months. So if you'd like to check this out, go to www.patreon.com slash BluebellsForeverPod. Thank you for listening and enjoy.
1: Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. I mean, you get what you get.
0: And we get what you get. This is Linda Nordvik, and we've had to try a few times to set this up. In COVID times, it's this reality of time, which I feel like some people have nothing to do. And so I lose track on some weeks because I don't know what day it is because I don't have my same schedule. But for some people, they're working harder than ever. And you're one of those people. Um, like so it. thank yeah. you. Yeah. Like, I'm really glad that this worked out because I don't want to ever make it be like, oh, I have one more thing I have to do. I have to do an interview. Um but I do appreciate taking up, t- up
1: on my list, so I'm glad we got <laughs> we figured out how to do it and when.
0: Yeah, and this hopefully won't be a painful experience, but mm-hmm. it'd be one connect. But can you tell a little bit where you are living now? Because we're gonna do like maybe a circular journey okay. of this so of your
1: story. I'm still in Reno and I work for the Washoe County Public Defender's Office. I've been an attorney now for, um, let's see. Seven, uh, 27 and a half years. Wow. And oh um, I do criminal defense work now. And I used to prosecute criminals. So I've kind of done the circle too.
0: You were, you were a DA before that, right? Was that, did I get that right?
1: So I, I've been a public defender for, let's see. Um, 13 and a half years I was a district a deputy district attorney before that for 13 years and I worked for a judge for a year before that
0: that is so not the show business business life that we but that's what I love these interviews you because, would be
1: surprised it's a lot um, of
0: acting that uh, was because I right when it came out of my mouth I'm like well maybe that's not true for what oh my gosh um well, my brain just totally stopped. When you were talking about Zoom, like there's some jobs I can't imagine that, that you have to do online, but that's the reality. So how, how are you doing this when you're not leaving your home You and court cases? Like, what does that look like on your day?
1: So um, you sign in, sign in for court. So court looks just like this, except there are more people, more squares. Really? Well, you've got so, the judge, you've got the prosecutor, you've got um, two or three, maybe four defense attorneys. You've got the court reporter, you've got the court clerk, you've got people who are incarcerated at the county jail. You've got, um, the, well, they've split it up so it's in custody people and out of custody people because there are only so many courtrooms at the jail available. There are only so many broadband um Opportunities from the courthouse, or the judges will be in their kitchen, just like I'm in my kitchen. Um, it's been it's been a learning experience. Adapting, we're all trying to do the best we can and working together to try and get through it. We could oh, probably division of parole and probation and a bailiff and I don't know who else. I mean, wow! It's yeah. Fun there's so many things, things like to see Please.
0: people. Yeah, you to spend your social life. Well, it's interesting, like the things that are gonna come out of COVID. I'm just thinking there's probably gonna be books written in movies, but like like I don't even know the crime shows that everybody watches, like if it's gonna be like the COVID crime <laughs> show that we would watch, like
1: as a Zoom thing would be really interesting, like not just seeing sure a courtroom, but on Zoom. Some Zoom Zoom episode things or movies. But the reality is, I think a lot of things will continue to be done. Online and via Zoom and not in person. Uh, my office, we're not going to go back full time to the office.
0: How do you feel about that? Do you, I like, guess, there's a balance of not being totally sequestered, but also have social, but not have to
1: right. drive? So, you know, not uh, dry cleaning bills have been minimal. Um, not a lot of makeup, I got to admit. Right. I'm saving money on the lower half of my face. The, my feet haven't been in a high heel in almost a year now I don't know if my feet fit into my high heels now yeah um so slippers you know I can't wear slippers to court <laughs> right so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out
0: yeah well, I think
1: we're learning that we
0: don't have to be screwing around as much as we thought we did and maybe even just for safety in some ways too I don't know if that affects you as feeling a little safer or have you ever felt like that was an issue?
1: Well, Oh no, not at all. As far as my profession. No. Um, as far as when I take care of dad, I enjoy not being around people. So I don't give transmit germs to him, um, or anybody else for that matter. But, um, no, I, I've never felt unsafe. Hmm. Although I've had some threats. Really? Yeah. And, um, yeah, but I've never felt unsafe.
0: Hmm. So you're doing your, you said you're actually even doing more hours now, the way it is with COVID, and you're taking care of your father. <sighs> That's it, just takes, like-
1: it, t- it takes um, probably a third again as much time to get through what we need to with all the, instead of face to face and signing a piece of paper, you've got Three, four, five, eight emails, and then DocuSign and then come back and then um, Adobe documents and email them away and wait for them to come back. And if you have clients that don't have internet access, then you have to do snail mail. Um, it's not like you can be <sighs> in the parking lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's just fascinating to hear how this affects everybody differently. Like even we're saying like you and I live alone, like you can be a single female and be fine, but there's things of being lonely, but I would choose that. I'm listening to people who are married to people. They really thought maybe I shouldn't be married to this person after I've had to spend time with them. Teenagers stuck at home, college kids living their college life at home. I just feel for and like little kids, this is welcome to the world. Um, yeah, it's, it's different. Nice. Everybody's
1: experience up in your job, whatever your job is. It's yeah. definitely
0: like the arts well, we're saying is suffering really
1: bad right now. And I, you know, we were saying earlier, I am so thankful that my job was able to adapt and we didn't really miss a beat. We were back in court probably in two to three weeks electronically. Um, You know, it took time to get other things because you also have to deal with government budgets and all sorts of things like that. So, you know, waiting for new laptops or waiting for new cell phones and trying to block your number while you're waiting for your government cell phone and people calling you at two o'clock in the morning. You're like, huh?
0: Oh, yeah. There's not the same walking.
1: I'm working. I'm not a restaurant worker. I'm not someone whose business had to close down for such a long period of time. And I haven't lost my savings. I haven't lost a loved one yeah I'm very, a... very, very fortunate. So
0: yeah. And how has Reno been pretty like I know, like different states have been following different rules, and some are looser than others, and some you know, we're in a smaller town. I don't know how Reno's been hit with this, but
1: You know, I don't either, because I stay at home. Yeah. I wear double masks when I go out, I follow the rules, I shop, um, even though I'm not 65 yet. I can fake it. So they. I would say your in.
0: hair is the most beautiful color. It is so gorgeous. I'm like, I want to go. I want to go there fully now.
1: Oh, it's so it's so much easier. Yeah. I went. Cool. I went about I don't know, four or five years ago. I stopped dyeing my hair, um, and it's been a blessing now because I can get into Costco early. I can get to right. the <laughs> grocery store early if you want to go grocery shopping at you know six
0: o'clock. it okay. So. It's yeah, you're saving money on hair color. And, all and it's interesting. There's young people that pay money for that color now. Yeah, it's so interesting. So I don't say I have gray. I say I have metallic. I have a lot of metallic, beautiful stripes that look. Like, people pay money for that color.
1: Yeah, I'm lucky. that My grandfather was, you know, that beautiful white, white, gorgeous gray. Yeah, so I got a lot of that. So. Yeah, it's very pretty. Yeah, so thanks. where did where did you grow up? I was born in Rockford, Illinois. In the late fifties, in the early sixties, we moved to Marin County in California. And that's where I started dancing. Um, and then it was the summer of love that convinced my parents that this was not where they wanted to raise their children who were about to be starting to go into their teens. So they- Why won't. was that? Was it kind of, a, was it the, the atmosphere of the well, my dad and my uncle owned the apartment building on the corner of Haight and Ashbury.
0: What is that? That's such a famous corner, but I don't know why. Is well, it in books? I feel like there's something about that Haight address. ashbury
1: in San Francisco yeah, it was really famous for the um, cultural revolution of the late 60s.
0: Okay. okay. Um, I was like, boy, that sounds familiar.
1: My dad had a little red Austin Healy, and my brother and I would sit in the back in the little jump seats and we'd go get the rents on the first of the month or the Saturday that was closest. And then we got to go to the zoo because it's not far from there. And I remember some very interesting smells. <laughs> uh, kind of like a skunk. <laughs> so, you know, so then we moved back to Rockford, and I grew up in the middle of a cornfield.
0: Oh what a weird abrupt uh here you yeah. go, kids. Never mind. Yeah. Whoops.
1: <laughs> um and so I would I started dance in Marin County with a teacher that worked closely with um Mr. Christensen from San Francisco Ballet. So I had a really strong Russian ballet technique. And when I went back to Rockford, there was nobody that was really um Able to teach at that level. So I was commuting to Chicago, which was 90 minutes on a Greyhound bus every Saturday. Wow. And I went to Stone Cameron, which was right on West Madison, which was a block away from Skid Row. So oh. there I am, 12 years old. On a bus. On a Greyhound bus. My mom usually went with me, or my dad would drive me in and make sure I got to the to Stone Cameron's um, studio. And then they'd go off for the day and come back and get me and we'd go back home. So, you do one, one day
0: a week and just go for it that one
1: day. and Yeah, and then you know I'd take class during the week. And then when I got to high school, there was a teacher that um, was teaching more jazz and mu- musical comedy, but taught ballet. And he said, well, why don't you come? You can teach the ballet class and you can take class every day for Mm. free, you know? And he taught at my high school and we did five musicals a year. So I just kind of moved into my high school. (laughs) And I'd see my parents like on Sundays, basically.
0: Wow. Were you doing it because it was like just fun to do, or were you like, what was your relationship with dance? Because that is an interesting mix of the way you were doing it you
1: weren't just a studio kid that only grew up in one studio so when I was before I went to high school so sixth seventh eighth grade summers I would go away um, for six eight weeks and do like interlocking for two summers I did um, Atlantic performing arts for a summer down in Fort Lauderdale with Mrs. P I did um, Bill Martin Viscount in Dallas one summer, Arlington. Um, so I was always gone. And so those things kind of kept me going. And then since the theater was so important in my high school and so much more accepted than in other places at the time, it just was part of my life. It just became me.
0: Mm. And
1: mostly ballet, or you were, you were branching out and? I was branching out, but mainly ballet. I hated tap; absolutely hated tap. Um, didn't do much acrobatics. Um, a little bit, just what I had to, but no flips or anything like that. Um, but I loved jazz. Modern- Did you ever get over to
0: because Chicago? Was, I'm just thinking, Gus Giordano and River North. Did you ever check out any of
1: those? Because that was kind yeah. I went of to Gus's for a while. But it was, I had to take the bus in, grab a train. It just became logistically so difficult. Yeah. I went to um, Ruth Page's studio. I went to, um, oh, who else were they? They were in the Stevens building where the Capizio store was. In fact, it's Jillian's cousin, Christine, and her husband, Richard Dubelé, Dubillet, the Dubelais. Um, so I took class from them a few times and, and then there was a guy in Milwaukee that I went to, um, Chuck Riley and, uh, yeah,
0: it just seems like a really, yeah, but it feels like how hello Hollywood, those shows, because we have people that came from all the different studios and there were so many great classes, but it was such a melting pot of everything. And I grew up in the same studio, the same teacher. And never experienced, I remember going to some kind of a convention because we didn't do competition. I'd never even seen other dancers. And I had a friend that left the studio, which was so scandalous because you were disloyal you didn't if you that. left. Yeah. You didn't. Yeah. yeah. So she went and I saw her recital and went, wait, what? Like, how they were so good. And I would never had even seen that. And then when I moved to Vegas and take class before I go to audition, I went to backstage. I don't know if you ever were in Vegas. No, I went to backstage. I walked in and, and, uh, they asked how long we've been dancing. And we said, 10 years, we just, you know, you're this big fish in the small pond. We thought we were really good. And they asked how long we've been dancing. We said that I would never, I was never so humbled in my whole life and looking around it was all show people. It was all the people yeah. in the shows in Vegas that were teaching and taking. And I remember just shaking like my legs, I could not even walk. My legs were shaking so hard. And came back the next day, which is so sore. And then they, we checked in and they asked how long we've been dancing. We just said, we, said, we just started yesterday. <laughs> so it was just, I think it was like, if you you were actually seeing really good dancers. So that is a nice advantage. Than when you get down there and go, oh, you mean we're not going to always have solos because we're the oldest. Right. She was I mean, it's huge thunder and lightning storm outside my.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: I just had a huge flash through the house. So my dog will probably be whining and we're going to have some explosions, but it's just weather. It's normal. This is normal. Yeah. <laughs> so did you have anyone in your life that was saying, Hey, you, you should pursue it. Or was it something that were you planning on college or dance or where, where did you make that shift? And I want to be do an orthopedic surgeon.
1: Really? Yep. Oh, wow. Yep. Which means a my lot dad, of schooling. Yeah. My dad was the manager of a um, medical clinic and my mom was a nurse and one of their friends was an orthopedic surgeon. And in high school i hurt my knee so i had to go see um i had to go see him he said you know you really understand your body well duh you know <laughs> and he said you you should take an anatomy class and maybe you'd be a good surgeon and i was like okay, oh can wow. do, that? I can do that he said i'm just gonna you know give you a little shot here and he fixed my knee and i thought oh well i can do that you know so
0: ah uh did you, cause I, I'm a massage therapist now, but it's like, when you get an injury, you have a whole different understanding of your body, but dancers more so because if you get injured, your, your career is either compromised or done. But right. I know there's a lot of people that after are either doing Pilates or massage, or actually like an ortho, I don't know anybody's gone into orthopedic surgeon, but that was like, yeah, we know how things break in men, but I don't know if I know any, any dancers in our career that went on to do that, but that's a big, that's a big goal.
1: I, I danced when I went, I did my senior year in boarding school in a ballet boarding school called National Academy of Arts in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. And two of the people I went to school with there are doctors now.
0: Um, so I, you know, I've talked to people that did boarding school, a lot of English girls and other, but I don't know if I've known any Americans that went to boarding school. It's just not a thing you hear like
1: well, it was it was like north carolina school of the arts yeah and this happened to be closer to home it was um a better scholarship and smaller and my fa- parents felt more comfortable with that
0: how old were you when you went there
1: 16. wow
0: because i hear this with, I was with all,
1: almost 17. almost yeah 17.
0: well and then you being a mom because i hear this and thinking i was ready you know, at 19, I was an adult, I thought, and then when I think of my kids at 16 and letting them go, I'm like, Oh, are you kidding me? (laughs) Yeah. It's really, it's interesting to look at it from that point of view, but they also must've had a lot of belief in you to like, well, it was a different time.
1: Yeah. We didn't have half of the social issues that we, that our kids face. Yeah. Yeah. To send them away is people now, you know,
0: (gasps) so when, when you, did you, look into
1: that further for,
0: for being an orthopedic surgeon or was like, that's yeah. nice. Thank you. But
1: yeah. Once I went away, it was okay. You're a dancer now. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> Did anyone steer you like where, where you should go? Cause I feel like a lot of us are just kind of like, whatever. Okay. I'll try that. Oh, well, that looks good. But no one says, here's your path to becoming a nope. a dancer in the biggest show in the world. in the uh, smallest
1: well, town. That just kind of happened. You know, it was, it was one of those phone calls to a friend and the friend said, yeah. And I flew to Reno. I got the job, even though I was too fat. And um, can you tell your audition story? Like who, who was it that told you? Was it somebody who was in the show already? Gary Fiatomo was- called the man I was working for. His name was Chuck Haynes. And um, he said, we're looking for tall girls for Reno. And, I was tall, but I wasn't quite tall enough. So we all know how that happens. Yeah. And, um, they took me anyway. So I came out, I flew out, I auditioned Rita Rita and Bernard watched the audition and Linda Ennis taught me the combination. And uh, Bernard said at 2:15 in the morning after the second show. Um, yes, but you have to lose weight. Here's your contract. And, you know, I went out to the bar, had a drink, even though I was 18, 19. <laughs> it was um, so
0: much easier back then.
1: And I called my parents at 3.30 or 4 in the morning in Reno because they were in Chicago. And I said, I got the job. And I said, it's, um, it's $215 a week with benefits and one meal a day. And my mother said, you're making more than I do. <gasps> oh. And she was so <laughs> angry because she had a master's. <laughs> Really,
0: because like two hundred fifteen doesn't sound like anything now. I think it was three twenty. I was a tall nude, and that was nineteen eighty. So, this was your
1: benefit was a meal, the cafeteria meal? Because I don't
0: remember that part.
1: Cafeteria meal. Oh, that's, okay. Fifty bucks more for the topless girls. So,
0: twenty five aside. Topless
1: would have been making. Yep, topless would have been making two sixty five when I started. Okay, so and you? How
0: close to the beginning of the show did you come in? Has well, the show been running? Because that's like
1: Just 80. under a year. It had been running okay. 10 months. When my first night was the 10-month anniversary.
0: Well, so I'm wondering, do those people do year contract or six months? You, that must have been the... So that was just the beginning of the turnovers then. You were part of that. I was, was the, ed-
1: one of the first. Oh, wow. Janine Norville, Norville came in three weeks before I did. And then the major contract change came in you know, about ten days after I did.
0: Was it a big shift? Were there a
1: lot of people leaving, or were a lot of? I mean, what's a great job to stay for. There were probably ten to fourteen total.
0: That's not okay. I
1: remember Yuri and Stanley Graham were two of the black boys that came in.
0: Loved Yuri so much. Loved his dance classes. Oh.
1: There must have been I don't know six tall nudes and a pony and three or four bluebells.
0: When you say that to us, it makes sense. But if you said that sentence at your job now, that there were some nudes and some bluebells and some ponies, I think you were talking about an acid trip.
1: They would, they would look at me and go, oh God, she's the <laughs> deep end again. Right. There was a lion and there was horses. Well, see, most of them, not all of them now, because we've had a big turnover um, before we went into lockdown, but most of the people who know me know I have a past life. Well, and one of the guys that was in my office, he retired um, November, I think he was uh, an actor off Broadway. And while he was going to law school and working at um, the public defender's office in Brooklyn, I think. Um, So, and we have have a lot of people that have other things. Yeah, you weren't just born a A lawyer or a defender. A lot of people are, but I wasn't. And there are more than just me.
0: So, And Reno, I mean, you guys kind of like stayed and people, you're part of the fabric of the city, but it's not unusual that there are show people all over the city, right? It's not like other towns that that they knew like, ooh, this person was a showgirl. It would be more misunderstood.
1: I think the farther we get away from the show, because it's been a long time now yeah um it becomes what was hello hollywood not ooh they were a showgirl or oh we're on the stage crew i mean you Mm. know so i'm hoping you know something we can do something for the 50th yeah after that i don't i mean the stage isn't even the same there anymore they've redone the stage so, I mean, it's, it's a bygone era, but it's still something to remember and celebrate.
0: Well, and it does make me happy. There's a lot of you there. Like there's still, the stories are still there. We they see, didn't we all pack up.
1: We have lunch. We have, um, some of us cross paths, um, employment wise, or, you know, Greg Gladowski still does my taxes and, um, you know, somebody will, uh, we'll, um, say, Hey, go to this therapist. And it's somebody I worked with, you know, <laughs> my, my foot, my foot, it's the bunion. It's the ligament that goes right up there and, you know, pressure point, And I haven't seen her since. So. <laughs> huh. So what did you go into the show? Were you a tall nude? I Ever? went in as a group three bluebell. Okay. My first night I did heat wave and poor Davina dragged me all over that stage. <laughs> got me out of the big red curtains and then i did the float with the um the two girls on top the cuckoo clock thing oh yeah that was my first night
0: oh he i wonder if because i was in heat wave was my first i don't know that must be what if they all did that that was like your initiation was heat wave which was i don't know stairs and
1: running that was a and that was an
0: intense dance number did you ever end up in the tall nudes
1: yeah I did tall I did everything but ponies and girl singers.
0: Really? Yep. Because I was in, I was in the end of the row, and I still don't know a group. Everybody seems to know their group, and I can't remember it. But a lot of people said they knew it because in rehearsals it was very distinguished, like, you're this number, you're a green, something. And then I came in, I just knew I sat here. But I was with Andrea and Miriam and Debbie Cladney at that end, but I wasn't part of their group. My rest of my group was around the corner, which was: But you were in Group C good i'm fine. i don't know why i can't retain this but yeah i was everybody else seems to have more pride in their group i think group debbie number. was in group d um and then Lind- lindy was d when
1: she talks about d. the
0: freaks and i'm like yeah i like the, and i like to hang out in the freak dressing you room might
1: have, you might have been b actually
0: i think a was andrea and those guys because i think there was a singers if it went sequential they were that and then b kind of went around the corner the C D C. Okay. That it's, it's so weird when I started this, I couldn't remember even what the, what the dressing rooms were like and the more stories I get, it's all filling in. I now I can see the whole back. And I interview the dressers and all of a sudden I remembered where the wardrobes were, where we put our tights to be and washed. The
1: little room and the shoes. <sighs> and, oh my goodness. Yeah. And the it was all and the- hot, and smoking while you were doing your makeup and all these feathers. I'm <laughs> like, what I the hell <laughs> are you doing? There's so many things like wow, that, that probably wouldn't work today. But
0: yeah, I really couldn't even tell you where anything was. And when we went to the reunion, the thing I wanted to see was the stage door. But then I was like, where did where do we even come in? Like, and I just somehow seeing it starts to like open up more of the memory. And it's like I think all of us have little bits of
1: it. Oh, yeah. So you know, every time I see a white towel with a blue stripe, <laughs> I have a
0: flashback. Right. Those tiny little towels. Did you um do all those changes of uh, groups in that one-year contract? Were you switching around like,
1: or were you? Well, when, after I finally lost weight and when Jilly became company manager, then they needed another understudy. And I was at the point and almost the same as Jilly and Lizzie, height-wise and body type-wise. So I was asked to do understudy. And then in order to be an understudy, you had to be a nude. Yeah. So I had to go from bluebells to nudes. And then I was able to understudy and do all that. So I had 20, I think we counted one day. I had 24 potassium partners in the time that I was there. I left and came back. Really? Yep.
0: Because when I was there, I know it was um, Lizzie and Mitch. But I think Mitch was not doing it so much. She was with David Doyle. And then uh, Leslie... She started and I started
1: with David. Yeah. And Leslie started with... Um, oh, Rodney. Okay, yeah. And Mitch and Jilly.
0: I don't know that... I think Jilly went in once in a while, but I don't think when I was in the show she was doing it as much.
1: Because she, she was made... <laughs> company manager in july of the year you came in i think okay because
0: i don't think because i've seen pictures and
1: i go i don't know if she's busy and mitch and david doyle and me and leslie and rodney and then when rodney left it was leslie and gray
0: because I think there wasn't much opportunity to watch all those because we had those fast changes. But when I first learned the show, I the Pas de was the one I was like, I have to go out and watch that. I just was so in awe of how beautiful the choreography, but also like the caliber of the dancers. You know, because I think we still in America have to justify that these were real dancers, that we weren't just walking. And then I keep wanting to say, no, you need to see like how beautiful
1: yeah.
0: um, the, well, the and technique yes, goodness, and the expression. You know,
1: now we have YouTube and... I think almost the whole show is on YouTube now, one version or the other.
0: I'm still trying to find the pre-Furcos because I want to see Tiller. And I'll, I found the video that you can order through something in a historical, maybe it's like a television station there in Reno that I got a copy of Low Hollywood, but it's like 1988. But I wanted to see Tiller and some of the, because there's things like, wait, where are the horses? Like there's a lot of things that were missing but yeah, I'm going to keep, maybe between all of us, we'll find some of those. They'll resurface because it is really fun to watch it and see
1: that it still is wonderful. Because there's some so shows I thought were great and I watched the video. I'm like, ooh, ooh. Because we're lucky. We came in when it was six and six. Now, nobody's going to understand that either if they haven't done the show. And at the end, it was basically five and four.
0: What or, can you explain that? Four. Six and six and five and four.
1: So six and six, six on each side so the stage was full yeah it, was it looked gorgeous towards the end it, when things were cutting back and cutting back and we were down to one show and maybe two on the weekends and it started to look empty if you were used to the full stage from the beginning you know yeah so so you
0: you finished your contract and went away and i was so great because when we talked about david doyle but you
1: you did that show and were you is that contact, you're like, hey, I feel like doing something else, or no, I could It came, t- came out of the blue and landed in my lap, and off I went. And I can remember telling um, Don and Blue were in after, like, two days after I gave my notice, I think, and so I didn't have to go through the lineup and the audition, but I had to go in and explain why I was leaving, and they offered me Paris, but I had already signed, and I said, you know, you wouldn't want me to do that to you, so I can't do that to them, and oh, they, they invited me to, you know, when I was ready to come back, they invited me back. Aww. So I went to Spain and worked for um, the Rivas at Scala. And then I came back and got married and went to, we went to um, Las Vegas and did the Mulan.
0: Can you explain next? I don't think I knew, what was the Mulan in Vegas? Because I don't know if it was there. It when It was
1: the Moulin Rouge. It was up here. They had a show here at what was then the Sahara. Um, of the Moulin Rouge and then they had uh, the contract was up and they had the contract for a new Moulin Rouge down in in Vegas so we transferred with it was it the show
0: that had been did they take the show from Paris and then just bring it to Vegas the same show or was was it only the the can can real okay which I've heard interviewing some that that stays try that never changes never changes
1: and Ruggiero came over and taught us the can-can, and, um, and the first three, the opening and the two center or middle sections were different than, because the stage was so much different Yeah, than the uh, Moulin wow. in Paris.
0: Which just just talking to like people that are our era, like how many opportunities there were I did like Bermuda and cruise ships, but even with just in Reno and Tahoe and Vegas, you wouldn't have to leave Nevada and you could have worked nonstop, which is kind of hard to imagine now.
1: Right. But the fun part was that you could go to an audition on Saturday, sign your contract and be in South Africa in a month. Right. I mean, hi, you want to go to Sun City? I'm like, sure. (laughs) Where's that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's what is so hard is yeah, that you don't you don't even get you don't have to go out and dig for it. It was there.
1: It was just wonderful. And you met friends from everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. And you still have friends from everywhere. I still talk to friends of mine in Johannesburg and Cape Town.
0: Whose show was that? Was that because a, a, sometimes American you know, or like the French bring it here or Americans bring it that and some of their own country has their own thing.
1: The one I did was, um, let's see, the producer was South African. The choreographer was Pojie. Marie Pojie. Costumes were Vinyas. Um, was it Guzman that did the music? He was Argentinian, I think, maybe. Yeah, Oh, this is
0: quite international.
1: And a bunch of Americans, a bunch of us from Vegas went and all but one of the captains all spoke Spanish. Wow. So, so <laughs> when we wanted to talk about everybody else, we just break into Spanish and there we go. <laughs> oh,
0: I was talking to Christopher Nunez who's writing a musical about Bluebell or wanting someone to collaborate. But even casting it, we're saying, "Well, you're you could be sitting in a row with like two South Africans, some, some Americans, some Brits, and even between the British or you know the English, there's a very different re- yeah. region. And then the Aussies are, and I'm like to cast that because I just remember I started picking up accents, but it was nothing distinguishable. But it was just a little bit of everything that right. I came home and people asked where I was. And I'm like Reno, but
1: it sounds like I've well, yeah, I look at you've got Tammy from Israel. You have women from uh, Holland and Belgium and France and Spain and Italy and some of the Yugoslavia, I remember, and all of the Slavic countries and then the British Isles and then down south. And we have one girl from Northern Africa at one point um, and the Kiwis and the people from down under and Oh my goodness, Um, Brazil, Argentina. That's like the casting, like if they- How are they going to do that? I
0: mean- Yeah, but that's, yeah, that's like, that's just that giant show. You can find
1: gorgeous, you can find gorgeous women anywhere that are tall enough and that, who want to portray that. I'm just trying to think of our cast now, if you think about it. Yeah. Well, I'm
0: just like the American, we're in an American city. What do you, what do you think the proportion of Americans in hello Hollywood at the time you were in it? We were not the majority.
1: No, the British were probably the majority. We were the second. Yeah. But you know, you wouldn't have a black line. Yeah, for sure. And you wouldn't have an all white singers line or dancers line for that matter anymore.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's really interesting. So did you, um,
1: was it just fun to go place
0: to place to place? I mean, you're in your twenties, like what an opportunity And, yeah. and pe- for people like, Hey, when are you going to settle down? Which like, why would I, when I have this opportunity exactly. to travel and meet amazing people and get and to you dance? And doing it. Yeah. It's not just your like side hustle. It's actually like, it's a career that paid pretty good. You know, when you Well, look and at, you were always
1: doing side jobs always, was, which was a lot of fun. And then, so you just didn't think about doing anything else.
0: That's why we were talking about David Doyle, because I, when you said that you worked with him and like, Hey, come to um, Scala, because I just know he was, there was always a show. Like I figured I would, mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I went, I know he did a comedy show and there's just, it was showcasing people's talents that you didn't see in the show. Right. And like all, oh, but they didn't stop creating because they do think you could just be totally fine do the show and, and not do anything else. But there were people that were always like, "What an opportunity! You got the, all this talent right at your hands to create." Well,
1: it, it was great because it gave people more confidence to try things that were not um, a normal daily thing. And you know, you could go to San Francisco and audition for the Broadway shows you and, and still get back for work. You know, yeah. <laughs> or go to Vegas and do it. I mean, I remember flying to Vegas for lunch one day because it was a $100 <laughs> round trip. I mean, oh, my gosh. Oh, I love that. You know, and I, my mother said, you did what? And I said, yeah, I flew to Vegas for lunch. You know, <laughs> or because a friend of mine was down there auditioning, so.
0: Yeah, and, and why not? Do you yeah. remember the Jovers? We, I was friends with oh, them, yeah. and they took Liz Thompson and I to Nutbush in California for lunch. in a little, not not, not true, yeah, yeah. we went in a small plane and came back in time for the show.
1: Cameron Shelley, who is a pilot, was a pilot then, he flew, um, Keith and I, down there for lunch one day and came back, and then when we were working in Vegas, he flew down with whoever his girlfriend was at the time, and we went to the Grand Canyon, flew to the Grand Canyon for lunch, and I'm like, okay, and now he's a pilot for Southwest, and he still lives here
0: somewhere, I think, so. Well, we were, some people brought it up about Hello Hollywood, about the shows, about, you know, you have the show at night, but people had day jobs if they wanted to, mm-hmm. um, or, or you can go to school. So mm-hmm. where did that come in for you? Is like,
1: am I gonna I dance forever? To school after uh, my divorce from Keith, because it was part of the deal with David Cladney, who helped me with the divorce papers. How was He's that also the one you? that got me to go to law school. I mean, he was he was one of those um, guiding lights, so to speak.
0: Did you have any interest of doing anything like that before?
1: I went to school for business. I figured, why not? You know, um, what else am I going to do? My dad was an accountant, so it made sense, and um, it was the easiest thing I could think of for me. And then all of a sudden David said, well, you like arguing so much, you should take the LSAT and see if you can get into law school. (laughs)
0: Oh, so were you, were you going to school and doing the show at night? What was
1: that like? Really? Yeah, I did business theater for Joey, uh, Joe Morris and Frank Gregory and Adrian too. Wait, what is business theater? I'm just thinking like, (laughs) it was a big convention um conventions would come in and we would do theater for them during the day you know welcome to reno and um use all use the big stage but do a show specifically for their company and we just changed lyrics and a few little things and you know that's amazing i'm trying to think what i did for be a ring girl for the big fights when mills lane was refing, and you'd walk around
0: (laughs) Oh, I don't know what I'm trying to think. I hear all these stories. Like, what was I doing? I lived uh, in an apartment for six months. And I moved out to Lemon Valley and I lived next to Liz and I lived in a trailer. Mm -hmm. I hiked, but I'm trying to think like, what did I do? I know I took dance class and I did a
1: few of those outside things, but then I'm hearing all these things. I'm like, Oh, I wish you did You did the ballets for Maggie. You did Nutcracker and you know, whatever else. And you did business theater and you did, meet and greets and got your ass pinched by every dirty old man from Iowa. And, and
0: those were all, those weren't put on by MGM, which yes, was MGM were. back then. Sure, it, it was, was. Yeah. all those were, was
1: it like, who wants to do this? And they were just finding outside jobs for it. Or you'd be asked to do it or you know, it's your night off. Do you want to make 50 bucks? Wow. That's amazing. <laughs>
0: it's like you could you me? we were getting paid well and then you got all this extra. Uh-huh. So how, did you, st- you still were doing that while you were going to school and then were you doing like regular school hours after finishing at two o'clock in the um, morning? Well, but you I still went doing two time. shows?
1: I went part-time. Okay. Um, yeah, we were, yeah, we were doing two shows for a while. So I was taking, you know, six, two classes, three classes a semester. I wouldn't really, at the beginning, I didn't do anything before 11.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine <laughs> then I did, like that.
1: When I started at 9.30. But I don't think I ever did an eight o'clock class.
0: Oh, that, yeah. I just, I remember coming back from doing the shows. I'd worked on ships and came to stay with my parents for a few weeks while I was getting ready for the next one. And it was when MTV had just come out and I stayed up all night. Because I had been watching TV. Like I didn't watch it in Reno, worked on ships being up TV. So I, I was like, my eyes were bulging of watching the next video. And I think it was six in the morning my dad was getting up for work. And he says, what are you doing up now? I'm like, what are you doing up? Like, it was so weird to me that people got up at that time because like Uh no no one did that like we would you know you go to bed at four and you don't get up till at least noon and to find out there's this whole world you
1: can go to bed by four right (laughs) you know by the time you had something to eat and got home it was usually five five thirty and the sun was starting to come up and everybody else is moving and you're like "Uh, i'm going to bed yeah
0: well it's like this. people talk about getting up to watch the sunrise i'm like no i only know that from going to bed at the sunrise.
1: Well, that's why going to the balloon races was so easy. Well, we ball- still up. Wow. <laughs>
0: that's a, It's just such a crazy life, and the fact that you were mixing the showbiz life and then the the um, education in the middle of that going to school and balancing that like probably interesting for the brain, too, because
1: yeah. well, there were so many of us at that point, you know. I was definitely not the only one. Greg Glodowski was going to law school. Michael Coulson was going to school and then he was working on his CPA stuff. Beatrix was going to school. Um, who else? There were tons of them, tons of people. Oh. Elise, I think Elise Glodowski was going to school. Um, and so backstage, Janine Norvik was going to school. Um, I think Diana was too i'm not sure lots of people and you just see people studying in between shows they'd go down and eat um get their books out or they take a quick nap yeah because they had to get up early for school
0: oh, and i know there's parents that with kids this
1: parents I, kids, yeah. lots of kids
0: oh and it's interesting how um people that are paying now, like my kid, my son graduated with $30,000 in student loan debt, but it wasn't as expensive back then. But if you have this good job and you're working to pay for school without having these huge debts at the end of it, that's actually a really great setup. And you got to not wait to finish college to go live your life. You got to like live that life, at the, you know, while you're young right. and can go right. and stay up that late. <laughs> you
1: know, and it was just, it's, it was just something like everybody was doing and it was kind of normal and everybody had their own normal. And I'm very lucky. I got through undergrad with no debt. Obviously I can't say that about law school, but yeah. Um, yeah. Very, very lucky.
0: So you were done with the show when you went to law school, you were,
1: I went, done- the show was closed and I worked for Frederick for a year and then I went to law school and came back and did things in the summer but i didn't work when i was going to law school so i had to take out a lot of loans
0: yeah so when you came back from because you had done all this great traveling came back to reno was that did that feel like a comfortable coming home to come back there
1: very much so it was just like i'm home now i can relax
0: did you go back into the same um same thing So did, did you rehearse and you just kind of back in the body and don't have to think too hard? Yeah,
1: I rehearsed for three days, I think, four days.
0: And you were right back in? Yep. Wow.
1: Principal room, tall nudes.
0: So you said something, I don't know if you want to share that of why the realization that maybe a, a job outside of dance is smart right now?
1: Well, we all know it doesn't last forever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, And I think, especially now, having this year of basic isolation and doing a little soul searching, self-reflection, whatever, Mm -hmm. I think we all reinvent ourselves throughout our lives. And if you, um, right now is really a time where I think a lot of people have had to reinvent. And I'm just really glad that, I was fortunate enough to keep everything kind of going the way it was. And um, yeah, the last year has been hard losing my mom and taking care of dad and with a kid in college and um, stepdaughter who broke up with her fiance and, you know, little things like that and not being around anybody except for my dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You just kind of, look inside yourself and say, hey, is this what it's going to be? What do you want? Do you want more? What's the next chapter? Is this chapter over? Or how long is this going to last? How long do you want to do this part? So it's, re- I mean, mm. I think we go through that all the time, but I think now it's just magnifying.
0: Yeah, that just hit. And it's, inter- I heard it was some author was talking about when you're holding the book of your life, and most of the pages are in your left hand. I, that just went because I, I have a dancer. I love it, but I had to hold it loose. Like, I don't know if we can survive COVID, but before, if you had told me a few years ago, I'd be like, no, don't take this. This is everything I've worked for where I, I just feel a lot looser. Like if it's, it's run its course, it was wonderful, but I don't feel that same need. Yeah. i have talked, I mean, I was telling somebody else in the interview too. I have a dancer that was on Broadway and had a great show. And that's like, his whole life was going there. And then I asked him if he was going back and I, no. I mean, I think it's like, well, this is where I was going because like, if someone said you should be a doctor or you should be a dancer or you should be that. And you go, is this, how did I get here? I think that's some of the reflection too. Cause some of those paths are such a nice surprise. Like, I don't know. It's still my whole thing. How I ended up in Vegas kind of surprises me when I tell my own story, like how did I end up there? It doesn't make any sense of well, the context of my law school.
1: school was just what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I hated it. I absolutely hated really? it why I finished it. It's just because I'm so stubborn. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, here I am almost 28 years later. <laughs> okay. Now what? <laughs> well,
0: or to know there's even a choice. Cause I, I, there's I even always just think a choice. Yeah. I'm thinking there's like my parents choice. I think like even the tail end of my parents' generation and I look at my kids are different. But I think that my parents' generation is you work that job until you get
1: a gold watch.
0: You get a gold watch or, yeah, that, that was the thing. And then you don't even think. And then like our generation maybe had a few career changes. And then our kids' generation, like you were saying, like what they're going to college now may not even be a thing by the time they finish. Like it's changing so fast. And so to, to go, do I only do what I love? Because sometimes like what I love may not be here.
1: Or do I really love it? Yeah. Yeah. Is this what I really is this my passion? What is a passion? You know? How do I know if this is it? All those things now. Yeah. Than, you know. And having the time to think about it too. Having the time to think about it isn't necessarily a good thing. Yeah. What have I done with my life? Well, exactly. You know, you're saying, so the left side is so much thicker than the right side now. And you're like, yeah, yeah, but don't waste those last few pages, you know?
0: Yes. And that's where the good stuff or the heartache was, it, it usually ends in a marriage or a death. It's the most good tra- comedy well, thank, tragedy, comedy tragedy. <laughs> I, I did those, you know, earlier in life. So yeah. Yeah, me too. I've had my tragic chapters were somewhere in the middle, and yeah. now the learning from it and,
1: and having a choice. Well, there's always a choice. It yeah. might not be a nice one. It might not be one that you want to make, but it might be the best one that you can make at that time.
0: Mm. Reality check. That's so good. Did you have any um, grief about ending your dance career, or was it kind of a gradual like, shift because your brain was already going so much one way? Are you looking back of like, do I want to keep doing this?
1: After my first year of law school, I came back up here and I was living at the lake with a good friend of mine from Harris. He was like my big brother. And he said, yes, just come live with me for free for the summer and do what you want to do. And I was working at Harris down in Reno and I was, Cladney was trying to teach me what the real law was in an office. So I was working during the day and commuting and, working at night, working part of the day and at night down here and commuting back up to the lake. And on one of my days off, I got a call from um, a friend of mine who was doing a show in Vegas and said, they want you as principal, come back to work. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to leave for law school in a week to go. Back. Oh. And I said, let me call you tomorrow. And I called and I said, I can't do it. I've made a commitment, so. Was that, it was, was that It was only a six month contract and I thought, oh no, this is too risky.
0: And principal, cause for some people like, that's the thing I've been working my whole life and then just to be offered it. Yeah. Wow, that's a, that's a tough one. Did you go see shows while you were going to school or was it like, I can still appreciate it or like that's just I my, would, another.
1: I would commute to Vegas and do industrials Because I had um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday off and Frank Coombs uh, was on the stage crew in Reno and he had moved down there and had a spare room. And he said, yeah, come on. Anytime you want, the room's yours. So I would come up here, throw a load of laundry in. Frank would come home from work. I'd go to rehearsal Friday, do an industrial Saturday, pack my car put, put one of my cassette tapes in for evidence class and drive back to San Diego and go to school Monday morning.
0: Wow. I'm just thinking like hard on the body, but also like, I remember like being in Bermuda with a friend, like we should get, like, we should quiz each other on the capitals of the States (laughs) because I thought, what is my brain doing? Because I really was just like loving the shows. We're going on a cruise ship, you know, like you go to the islands. It was really fun, but I'm like, I think my brain might be rotting.
1: And because I wasn't was the other way. Yeah. So I, was I was like, like okay, good... I'm using my brain so much, but my body is just disintegrating. I got to keep working.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And that's a hard thing when you don't have to worry if you're three pounds or five pounds over. And, well,
1: and I was over and I was very lucky that I was still working because when you're doing your first year of law school, you don't do very much or didn't back then. I joined yeah. Ryan and I was swimming in a saltwater pool and doing, you know, like a Jane Fonda ish aerobics class, step class. I was like, really, this is what it's got.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Like, yeah, we were talking about like how many stairs we were running in the show and then there was classes in between the shows and you could do class in the day and then all the other extra work that the body is like, there's, yeah, just like now I have to actually think about what I'm eating and what I'm doing and actually have to, go to a gym to do what I did as part of my everyday thing.
1: Just walking walking right now.
0: Right. Yes. I've been actually doing some fitness things with somebody I've had on the podcast out of Paris and they got really smart and they've created this whole beautiful uh, online workout is i don't know, I want to look at youtube like it's something of like feeling familiar with it and they're dancers and they put it together so beautifully and it's like very smart like i've had the, we've talked about hip replacements right like it's just like oh this is what my hips needed like i'm not i don't need to do squats forever i need my rotators and um but yeah i feel like fitness is definitely like i can't not do this you know your body has done that it's whole life and to just stop is hard but i know we can do things in,
1: from a friend of mine in vegas Uh, one ballet bar which I was doing religiously on Saturday mornings for about two months and then all of a sudden my 45 to 50 hours a week online went to 50 to 60 (laughs) hours a week online, (sighs) and so you know and then dad takes a little more time every month it seems so you know something just has to give and right now it's either my treadmill or a 45 minute bar, but um, there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel and things are going to be better and I'll be able to take care of myself more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think what's nice is like, we're talking about the reality of life right now. Cause you know, I, my first interview was Lindsay Raven, and, t- and it's like she's in Italy when it was hitting Italy so bad. And then
1: oh, hearing God.
0: like we've been doing this for a year, and like we don't have to act like it's better than it is, you know? No, it's like this is the reality. And like that people are, the f- I think we should get trophies for getting like we hit the one year mark. We should get trophies or a gift you know,
1: certificate. I if I wake up in the morning and can get out of bed um, without stepping on the dog or running into a wall or falling down <laughs> the stairs, I,
0: you know, it's a good day. Oh my gosh. I love, I so love that. For, yeah. And I, I do for myself, I feel like the sense of gratitude, like I'm not doing 75 things. So that at the end of the day, I'm like, what did I do? I'm like, I talked to Linda today on a zoom and it was amazing. I took my, I looked at the, the hailstorm and the sun's coming out. Like my sense of gra- gratitude is probably tripled because I'm not doing as much. And every day it's like, I have heat in my house. I'm so thankful. I got to see yeah. some really special people and I don't have to do the social things that I found out I don't like, but I did because you just do it and went, I don't need to have these empty conversations if I don't <laughs> well, want to.
1: And, you know, a couple of weeks ago when Texas had no power, no water, no heat, no nothing, I was like all of these former Hello Hollywood people that are down in Texas. I'm like, please, people, do you, what can I do, you know? Oh, but they man. couldn't answer because they're sitting in their car trying to get their cell phone charged and saying, Ugh. we're alive, you know? Yeah. And so it could be so much worse. And I'm yeah. just, I feel lucky. Yeah.
0: Well, I know I've been missing travel, but then I go back, but I got to do that. And I'm so grateful I did because some people like when I get to be 70 and I retire, I'm going to travel. And now I'm like, I'm so grateful for those opportunities that I did have that now it's like, you know what? Sitting home and waiting is going to be okay.
1: We're going to be able to travel again.
0: Yeah. Sooner than we
1: think. Sooner than we think. It might not be to all the places right away, but it's going to be sooner than we think. And, you know, if I have to hire a dog sitter, yay! Yay. Uh.
0: Yeah. That's the best companions right now. So I, I don't even know if this question, if we can go anywhere with this, but the book thing of holding it in your left hand, mm-hmm. I know by doing this podcast, I am more in awe of my life than ever because I've had like this wonderful show business. I've had so much tragedy in my life. And I go, but it's a really good story. But I loved how you said, like, we have this part that we get to, we have the pen in our hand now, Yeah, you know, the first part, like we'd like go here, go there. And you're kind of going now. We've always
1: like, had it in our hand.
0: Yeah, and I we think just that there's didn't
1: realize what we were writing at the time.
0: Yeah, and I think it is like that perspective like look at all of this ma- ma- material of all these things and like oh this is who I've always been and what goes into the next one. So when you think of all your years as a dancer,
1: even How though you're stupid uh, was I. <laughs> How stupid was I to a not take more pictures? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Not explore all the places I got to go more. Why didn't I go to all the art museums every weekend? Why didn't I get my ass out of bed and do, you know, a side trip to Toledo for the day or something? Why didn't I spend more nights in the game reserve and have monkeys wake me up jumping on the, tent top, why did I take all that for granted?
0: All the people I got
1: to meet, you know, um, bowling tournaments with the band Chicago, diamond shopping with Liberace, um, Sammy and going, having him rent out the theater and having his conductor George come in for second show every night because he just and all the musicians downstairs that i barely talked to how stupid was that mm. all of the people i've known that i didn't follow through with continuing that friendship relationship whatever it was and now it's too late that's what but, i'm i was stupid
0: oh i because i hear some of these friendships of people. Yeah. So I, I'm looking at it now. Like I want to go back and be friends with all of you that I either was too shy to talk to, or I'm like, I want, now I know you guys, I want, I want to go back and like have the friendships that I, cause I had a couple of friends and I left. And then I think I got better at even being a friend later in life, but it's just like, I had now I like, I want to be everybody's best friend that I've talked to, but I didn't, I don't know if I didn't know how to take advantage of it or whatever, but I, I do feel like I want to like young people are listening to this, like, you know what, this is shorter than you think it is. And like an injury could take you out, but it's, it's amazing. Like, like you do have those Sammy Davis juniors in almost everybody's story. If it was Vegas arena, it was always, so there's things that we go, Oh yeah, that's not a normal, you know, 20 something year olds experience, but yeah, that, but to not, it's like when they tell you your kids are going to grow up faster and you hear it and then you go, Oh yeah, they're 18. I swear they were just a baby.
1: I'll never forget Charo telling me have your babies now do not wait. And I was like, really? <laughs> I'm dancing for you. You don't want me pregnant.
0: <laughs> and Charo, she, Charo, the singer, the musician. Yeah,
1: yeah. So she, why did she tell you that? Were you guys like, were you going to show with her? Yeah. She was one of the guest stars for the Mulan when I was in Vegas and she had just had her son. He was probably about two. And she said, "I waited too long. I waited way too long. Have your babies now." Oh she wow! Was rude, but yeah,
0: I had no idea what an amazing guitarist I only knew her as a, Kuchi, and then I heard her music. I'm like, "This is a, uh, incredible."
1: Yeah, she was. At, is a phenomenal flamenco guitarist. Oh my god! But and yeah, the so this woman you could ever meet, really, really, yeah,
0: yeah. Wow. Yeah, the the things that we talk about that were just normal to us yeah it's like
1: oh and, yeah you know and now people are going who's charo but oh well so you sad. know it's it's you know time passes yeah and yeah, looking that's back, we're we're smarter now we appreciate what we had that we didn't appreciate then but it doesn't mean we can't get some of that back especially yeah. with social media it's been a godsend for people to reconnect
0: Oh, it's been amazing, and I feel like every time I post a picture, and then somebody will say, "Hey, I didn't know you," and then they're finding each other because we keep tagging each other, mm-hmm. and it's getting bigger and bigger. And it does feel like a, a a chance to read read those those chapters and go, "That was actually pretty amazing."
1: Or I don't remember that.
0: Right? I'm <laughs> sure, it was me. <laughs> oh, those are the good. Ones. Wait, I did what? Wow! Are you sure it was me? <laughs> I <don't think> so. <laughs> We can always just say, yeah, it must have been somebody else with beautiful eyelashes that was tall.
1: Oh, the eyelashes. Yeah. And the fishnet tights and the sunburn that did not feel good under (gasps) the sunburn tights.
0: Oh, I remember going to the nude beach. There was one in Reno and then going to Tahoe and getting a
1: sunburn. Yes. and,
0: And then putting the fishnets on. And I think it took me like 20 minutes and then you get up around the crotch where that skin is so tender and putting those fishnets on was like the most painful,
1: thing. And then you're thing. trying to get them off without taking a few layers of skin with them. Oh my gosh.
0: Oh, you know what? No one's told that fishnet story. So Linda, thank you. Cause that's a,
1: <laughs> that's going to hit home with a lot of people like, ah. Oh, it hurts. <laughs> um, oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Tea bags on sunburn
0: on, Tea on
1: Just, um, um, uh, Fill the bathtub, steep it with tea, and then get in there.
0: I've never Stick heard that. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. I had very fair skin, and when you can't get a sun, get tan lines, and you're burning your breasts for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun.
1: Huh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so this is how we're going to end it. We're going to talk about burnt crotches burn, and boobs. Burnt boobs? Bur- boobs. <laughs> and seams. <laughs> oh, it was so fun to connect with you and I know that life is busy and I just told you know if it I'm, doesn't work so, now, we'll just do no. it another time, but it was a, a, such a delight.
1: Yay, yay, yay. We got it finally. And you I'm dead. so glad. I'm so and glad. I th- and I
0: think people, it's fun to hear other people's stories because I've heard people say, I, didn't even, I sat next to this person for a year. I didn't know any of this about their life. So I think it's kind of a good way for us to like learn about our friends, things we didn't
1: know. Well, I'm know, just so grateful to have so many friends from way back when now um, and still have, have a lot of those connections. I just, every time somebody reaches out, I just love it.
0: Mm. I think when everybody, when I ask people like their favorite thing in the show, it's always, it's always the people. And there's some people like, I remember the lights and it was, that's part of it, but it's like, oh, it's always the people. People. Yeah. And that wasn't usually wonderful. I mean, that's a lot of talented people in one room and it could go several ways, but I just feel like it was some of the most kind, wonderful people of my showbiz career. Well, and it, it,
1: these are the people that you don't have to talk to all the time, but when you see them, it's like you never left yeah and those are the <sighs>
0: special ones so till the next reunion
1: <laughs>
0: uh we'll see, i won't
1: have giant fat Tracy's toast gonna soon. Tracy's gonna kill us if we keep saying that
0: so oh well that's like with Tracy and then also with Lindsay and and Paris like when's the next one like do you know how much work that was? And I think uh, knowing, yeah, what I've heard a little bit more, I'm like, well, we that, let's not make them rush into that. But we're all getting old, so we got to get on it. Otherwise, well, we're going to be and, wheeled in.
1: Yeah, because it's been what three, three years since the I think last. It was, one?
0: I think so. Yeah, that was my first hip surgery. Second hip surgery. Yeah. So, we're coming up on three.
1: Yeah, three in June. So. Better start planning now because it'll go by really fast,
0: <laughs> right? And we're going to forget. Oh my gosh! Well, thank you for this. Thank and you. it was just really fun to hear that perspective of like the career afterwards. It's nothing like that that life that we did. And that's those are the fun stories to see what people do. You know, what do you do after this life?
1: Well, if I could go back and do it all over again, I would in a minute. The yeah. dance part, Maybe yeah. not The law school part, but the dance
0: part. <laughs> yeah, just download that part and get to do the fun fun show yep well take care of yourself stay safe and i love that you are staying really (laughs) safe because we are going to get out of this and and uh, like why jeopardize it when we're this close so yeah don't have a story so right yeah all right we'll take (laughs) care
1: we'll be posting (laughs) your pictures
0: bye thank you so much Bye. bye